Good morning, January 13th, 2024. And uh, been a lot of news on the fiducia supplicants front in the last few days. And it's worth really kind of going over, I think, because it looked like Francis had backed himself essentially into a corner. He clearly is trying to dance a fine line between verbally affirming and in writing the teachings of the church while then changing the practices to conflict with the teachings of the church and trying to sell everybody that no, nothing has changed, but also give into the whims of the world, which, which fiducia supplicants is clearly a sellout of the church too. There's been a lot of news on that, but before we get to what I would call the appalling news, let's just start with what's not going to surprise anybody. This bit of news started going around social media last night, but I saw it the day before from a European news site. So let's go to what's quickly becoming my favorite European news site, Info Vaticana, where they give us this joyful headline. The Pope knew of the existence of the controversial book by Victor Manuel Fernandez when he appointed him prefect for the doctrine of the faith. Yes, folks, Francis knew. I don't think anybody's that surprised by this revelation, but he knew. And it's unequivocal now, as you will see, because this article spends a lot of time talking about other stuff other than that bizarre revelation, as you'll see here. But Fernandez just comes out and tells us this. Now, you might ask, well, we don't know for sure until Francis himself says it. Francis isn't doing a lot of public appearances, you may have noticed. He doesn't do a lot of media. The next time he does any kind of media will probably be when he takes his next visit, apostolic visit to wherever He's flying to next. And by the time that is likely to happen, this stuff will have blown over. We will all have just accepted this as the new normal, unfortunately. Just remember, though, there are well-meaning people who still think that Francis is the problem and that he's not a part of a larger problem we've had in this church since Vatican II. Francis is the logical outcome of his predecessors playing fast and loose with the faith and with the rules and with the implementation of the faith. We've seen this in the form of ambiguity from everybody going back to 1958. We got McCarrick in a position of power because of Francis's predecessors. We got McCarrick-type priests causing evil problems that they did when they came to light in 2003 because of this playing fast and loose with morality and of who can be ordained a priest, as well as turning a blind eye to the clear infiltration of the seminaries by men who shouldn't be there, backed by organizations who are trying to destroy the church. It's all been confirmed as historically fact that that actually did happen. We have Jimmy Martin because bishops refused to stand up against him. Francis is just the logical outcome of the changes in the church over the past 65 years or so. And also remember when it comes to like Jimmy Martin, there are some of the decent bishops still turn a blind eye when he gives addresses and speaks to organizations in their diocese. A priest who travels is supposed to ask the permission of the local ordinary to do anything in the diocese, not just say masses, teach the faith in any capacity. All faculties for priests come from the ordinary. So in this article, Fernandez admits that Francis knew all along. So from that article, quote, regarding the controversial hidden book, hidden being the right word, that came to light this week about the uh, apex of the marital act, Cardinal Fernandez comments that he also foresaw that this could happen and, quote, I knew that in the midst of the controversial topics, they could use old things like this book. They were just waiting for the opportunity. I had told the Pope when he proposed this position for me for the second time, meaning Fernandez was approached to become the prefect more than once, apparently, that this could happen. 
but he was already clear and he also about it and also knew about the book. Francis knew about the book. Fernandez told him so. It happens that on one occasion, many years ago, I had already been accused of that book and was not punished in Rome for it. They've already investigated me to the core, adds the Cardinal, acknowledging that the Pope knew of the existence of that book, end quote. We saw um, Cardinal Mueller verify this a few days ago, where he said that the dicastery for the now dicastery for the doctrine of the faith or congregation, when he was the head of that going into the aftermath of Amoris Laetitia, they had received complaints about uh, Fernandez. They had reservations about him becoming an archbishop or even a bishop. They knew. Fernandez confirms that they knew that the Vatican has had a file on him for this whole time. But most, uh, most brazenly, though, he goes on to compare what he did, his writings, to those of John Paul II and uh, St. Hildegard of Bingen. That is um, disingenuous, to say the least. You know what they call theology of the body is really not theology of the body, because theology implies there's a systemic reasoning to it, that there's a systemic methodology to it, that it's a, remember, theology is the next step after philosophy. That's why when you read theology, if you have a background in philosophy, theology is easy to really grasp, even if you necessarily can't do theology yourself. Like, I have a background in philosophy. I can read theology and understand it, but don't ask me to actually teach theology, right? Theology has its, its foundation, philosophy. And there is a system to building theological arguments. Uh, the formal theology and philosophy of the church is Thomistic theology. And St. Thomas was rooted in Aristotle and Plato and the great Greek uh, minds in the ancient world. John Paul II's theology of the body wasn't done that way. There were a series of private addresses purposely kept private to the people in there because they acknowledged that they could easily be taken out of context and cause scandal among the laity. Now, I'm not a fan of theology of the body, but that was their stated intent, was to give these to sort of private groups. Fernandez published a book for popular consumption. It's a bit different. But needless to say, bringing St. Hildegard of Bingen in this is just that is up that is beyond the pale so that's the news though on the fernandez front there's i suppose somebody could comment a lot on that if they wanted to but they knew it's time to accept that the vatican knew which means francis knew and those who think that francis should resign over this or i mean everybody thinks you anybody who is on our general side of the great divide will say yeah francis should should resign over this but he's not going to he was never going to because they knew. They also knew that this was going to come out at some, some point, probably after this document. In fact, I would almost bet you they had a plan, response plan for this, that they knew that this was coming. And then, so let's go to the main story. The Vatican is fully doubling down on fiducia supplicants. They are, in fact, going to lead by example. <laughs> and by, uh, by the Vatican, I mean quite literally the Vatican. Because here we go. Vatican, headline from LifeSite. Vatican official says St. Peter's Basilica will now bless double S type pairings. Cardinal Mauro Gambetti added that as yet nobody has asked the canons of the Basilica for such a blessing. We're going to say that the key word here is yet. No one has asked for the blessing yet. The media will absolutely help them get the word out. I don't mean your commentators who are trying to tell people that how bad this stuff is. At some point, you're going to see mainstream European media probably, and then American media talk about this. It's going to happen. 
they will be the best advertisers for this, even though there have been like the Washington Post has actually penned a op-ed asking the Vatican why they were doing all this stuff. Washington Post. Okay. You know, why are you causing confusion? Even like secular kind of progressive types are asking, why is the Vatican causing confusion on this stuff? And that's a very good question. And we've got your natural secular allies asking that hard question. That means that something has gone horribly wrong. And it's why you're seeing a lot of these declarations from and speeches by Francis on this stuff, talking about ideology, not interpreting church stuff through ideology and all this other stuff. It's because they're trying to walk that fine line between orthodoxy, meaning correct belief, and ortho, and and then the this new praxis, this new practice of the faith that com, that contradicts the orthodox teachings. They're trying to walk a fine line. It's really remarkable to watch. Let's go to the article though. So, quote. Clergy at St. Peter's Basilica will help, will bless double S couples. According to a report in the Italian newspaper Il Messaggiardo today, the archpriest of Rome's most famous church, Cardinal Mauro Gambetti. Mauro Gambetti is, I believe, a cardinal priest, which does exist. Not all cardinals or bishops, most are. Although I'm not sure if he can uh, vote in the conclave or not. If you know for sure, let me know in the, in the live chat. He has stated that blessings of those in question could happen there. Quote, quoting Gambetti, to show the world the maternal face of the church and along the lines of what Pope Francis has asked for, Gambetti reportedly said, however, he added that as nobody has as yet asked the canons of the Basilica for such a blessing. It doesn't seem to me that reports have come in that the Cardinal stated and added that they, presumably the clergy of the Basilica, will move straight along the furrow that has been cut. Gambetti made the remarks during a press conference about the upcoming restoration of Bernini's famous Baldacino, end quote. The Beyond Baldacino, which looks like essentially four bedposts over the altar with a canopy. Uh, you see that in um, in like the very, the, the, some of the most ornate traditional Latin mass offerings. They like ornate, but smaller altars. Uh, the, that's a Baldacino. And the, the famous one in St. Peter's is getting a restoration. Um, there's a phrase here that I want to zero in on. And that is this one. We've seen this come up recently in the last few weeks really since the first of the year, but it's coming back again, and it's actually not a new phrase. And that's the maternal face of the church. Father or Cardinal Gambetti invokes that phrase in the document where he says that this is, you know, having helping the church to really fully reclaim the maternal face of the church. It's been a constant theme of Francis's over the past decade that actually few have actually commented on. Francis has invoked this a number of times, and it's become clear to him that the church has a maternal face, meaning that like a mother, the church apparently doesn't scold or correct error or condemn. Now, that's obviously an error at the most basic level, as anyone with a mother can tell you that that's an error. But here's an example of this from January 1st, 2017, which was a Marian feast day on the Novus Ordo calendar. From his address for that day, seven years ago, quote, to begin the year by recalling God's goodness in the maternal face of Mary, in the maternal face of the church, in the faces of our own mothers, protects us from the corrosive disease of being, quote, spiritual orphans. It is the sense of being orphaned that the soul experiences when it feels motherless and lacking the tenderness of God, when the sense of belonging to a family, a people, a land, to our God grows dim. 
this sense of being orphaned lodges in a narcissistic heart capable of looking only to itself and its own interests. It grows when we forget that life is a gift we have received and owed to others, a gift we are called to share in this common home. It was such a self-centered orphanhood that led Cain to ask, am I my brother's keeper? It was as if to say, he doesn't belong to me. I do not recognize him. This attitude of spiritual orphanhood is a cancer that silently eats away at and debases the soul. We become all the more debased inasmuch as nobody belongs to us and we belong to no one. I debase the earth because it does not belong to me. I debase others because they do not belong to me. I debase God because I do not belong to him. And in the end, we debase our very selves since we forget who we are and the divine family name we bear. The loss of the ties that bind us, so typical of our fragmented and divided culture, increases the sense of orphanhood and as a result of great emptiness and loneliness. The lack of physical and not virtual contact is cauterizing our hearts and making us lose the capacity for tenderness and wonder, for pity and compassion. Spiritual orphanhood makes us forget what it means to be children, grandchildren, parents, grandparents, friends, and believers. It makes us forget the importance of playing, of singing, of a smile, of rest, and of gratitude. End quote. He said that in 2017. I don't really have any problem with anything he actually said there. I mean, alienation in the culture is a very real problem, getting worse all the time by, frankly, a lot of it online culture. But to Francis, the James Martin crowd are among these spiritual orphans, and he's not wrong even there. This is the why he's promoting his error, because instead of correcting the errors that keep people as spiritual orphans away from the church, it's the sacrifice comes the other way. The sacrifice of what the church teaches and believes and professes to be true, even while professing it to acknowledging it, at least in writing and verbally, to then change the practice of it. See this in 2024. We've seen him give numerous addresses already. We're two weeks into the year, barely. And he's already invoking the maternal face of the church as an excuse to examine the question of deaconettes. He did it again this year on the 1st of January, invoking Our Lady to promote expanding the role of women in the church. And uh, we'll take a look briefly at what he said here. So this here is from an American Magazine article on the subject where he talks about New Year's Day, on the, his New Year's Day address and the role of women and promoting peace and all these other kinds of things that are most of the time not a problem. It's just what does it lead to, especially when he's using ambiguous terminology. So he says here, quote, well, from the article anyway, quote, Pope Francis, speaking in a strong voice after recovering from bronchitis, said the church needs Mary in order to recover her own feminine face, which he said means making space for women and being generative through a pastoral ministry marked by concern and care, patience and maternal courage. His words echoed the increasingly pressing call that has come from Catholics around the world through the synods on the family, the Amazon and the ongoing synod on synodality asking church leaders to open up greater spaces and role of responsibility for women in the church in the 21st century, end quote. This sort of hermeneutic of seeing the, of understanding the church as having a maternal face is where he is getting his sort of ideological justification for turning the back of the church away from, or turning the church away, turning his back to its own teachings and instead embracing a more secular understanding of how the church should operate in the world. That's where this comes from. He's implying here there that women in the church are almost spiritual orphans too, that the church hasn't been sufficiently maternal to them and their needs. These needs are framed in the values and ontology, and ontology is just a fancy $5 word meaning worldview, of the modern secular world. 
He's framing everything in a secular understanding. This expansion of women in the church is understood in secular influenced terminology. Keep that all in mind. This use of the maternal face of the church has been invoked many times over the years for all sorts of issues related to being inclusive, essentially. It's how he sells people on heresy and the church being involved in things in the secular world that it probably shouldn't be involved in. All you have to do is do a Google search for Pope Francis, maternal face of the church, and you are going to get many, many hits for various things he said going back a decade. This is not new. But let's go back to the original LifeSite News article because this is pretty revealing stuff here. So... It's how he sells people on heresy. He really does, they really do push this maternal face of the church stuff for that. So, quote, The possibility of such an occurrence in St. Peter's Basilica was made almost inevitable by Pope Francis's new declaration on blessings, fiducia supplicans, which holds out the possibility of non-liturgical, quote-unquote, blessings of couples in irregular situations and those of the double S type. Nevertheless, the psychological and spiritual impact of blessing of such couples in Christianity's most famous shrine will be immense, end quote. I'm reminded here of the, abo the abomination of desolation, and people debate all the time what that means. It came up when Pacamama had just happened in 2019. It's come up numerous times during this alleged pontificate that the abomination of, temp of, the abomination of desolation in the temple of God, right? And if our claims about Catholicism are true, and obviously they are, then St. Peter's Basilica is the high temple. It is the, it is the temple, capital T, the capital T temple. It is the main temple in the faith. Now remember, though, the modernists are basically telling us that they're providing blessings to people who approach as a couple, blessing, blessing them as such, but not the union that by definition defines them as a couple in the first place. That sounds like mental gymnastics to us when we give the most charitable interpretation possible. More likely, it's just more ambiguity meant to deceive the laity into going along with this first very crucial step to normalizing the sin that cries out to heaven for vengeance, that they choose to make central in their identity, meaning the sinners in question. Not talking about particular people here. We're talking about, in fact, not even at this point talking about particular classes of people here. Remember, the in this discussion is the irregular, the irregular situation stuff also is overlooked. We're talking about uh, divorce and remarried Catholics, those who are in multi-partner situations. I mean, use your imagination to come up with any reasonable irregular situation that covers them too. Now, one, one bishop in Italy from the article said, quote, The chief difficulty for bishops, priests, and laity that they will have with fiducia supplicants is that it fails to make a sufficient distinction between the blessing of individuals and the blessing of their objectively sinful style. As the American Byzantine Catholic Bishop of Parma, Bishop Robert Pipta, observed recently, quote, In our society, the word couple has come to be understood as two people who have entered a relationship that is either one of dating, engagement, or marriage. According to church teaching, two people of the type in question cannot be in any of these types of relationships. There can never be a church blessing for these. Pipta is not alone in observing that there is a difference between blessing an individual and blessing a, quote, couple. The Archbishop Emeritus of Philadelphia, Charles Chaput, called fiducia supplicants, quote, a double-minded exercise in simultaneously affirming and undercutting Catholic teaching on the nature of blessings and their application to irregular relationships. He observed also that the document, quote, was quickly interpreted as a significant change in church practice and cited Martin's New York Times photo op, end quote. 
And that's because it was a significant change in church practice. They paid lip service to what the church in the faith have always taught because they can't overtly change that. But remember something else. This is essential to being a good Christian. We tend to act as we actually believe. People forget that. We live as we believe. We engage, and I don't mean doing things in, that send us to the confessional. If you're staying close to the sacraments, please, I beg you, stay close to the sacraments. Go to confession every two to three weeks, please. Usually the saints and most, most popes in history went to confession every other week or every week. Some popes go to confession daily, but stay close to the sacraments, please. But if we're not living in accordance with what we preach, then what we end up believing is how we live. That is ultimately how things go. And that's why you tend to see the same the same types of high-profile people in the church pushing these things, because there's a lot of times questions about their private conduct, and occasionally their private conduct comes to light, and none of us are all that surprised. But there you have it. If you're planning on a trip to see St. Peter's Basilica, I would recommend you do it sooner rather than later. This might be the abomination of desolation, or at least when it is finally done, when they finally actually do this blessing in question. Or maybe it was Pacamama. I don't know. Maybe the abomination of desolation hasn't happened yet. Honestly, that's possibly the most likely interpretation of that part of scripture in general. I'm just curious to know what you think about that in the comments, please. So let me know. Um, we'll go down to the live chat because this is we have a very lively live chat going on. I haven't even had a chance to look at it yet. Um, Faith says, blind eyes by decent bishops is no longer okay. Thanks be to God for the Africans and some others. I'm expecting total silence from her Irish bishops. Um, I know of one Irish bishop. I reported a few days ago that the Archbishop of Dublin has basically commanded the priests in his diocese to implement fiducia supplicants in some one of the more you know liberal interpretations of it. Um, Arielano says her... What's your FSSP? Well, here's the thing. You're going to get a biased answer to that question from the FSSP because they broke off from the SSPX. The SSPX are in canonical limbo, but they are Catholic. Bishop Schneider confirmed that with a personal visitation to them where he observed their bishops, observed what they teach in their seminaries, what they teach from the AMBO on Sunday. They are Catholic. You can go to their masses just fine. He has expanded on this quite a lot. There's no reason that you can't go. Um... If I had to guess, if I had to guess which one you're going to see waffle on this issue, the SSPX, the FSSP, it'll be the FSSP, it won't be the SSPX. I'm very pro SSPX. I'm also pro SS or FSSP. I am pro traditional Latin mass, traditional priests who teach the traditional faith. I'm not that concerned about the team. Which team am I on? Um. Flying Tiger says the abomination of desolation may be when the words of consecration are changed and then validate the mass in the name of ecumenism. That's been a rumor for a while that there's been a, going to be another change to the Novus Ordo coming. We'll see, though. We'll see. Um, Joseph says not many TLM offerings in the diocese. Would it be a schismatic act? No. The church, Vatican has said it's not a schismatic act to attend the, the SSPX as long as you don't have schismatic in, like beliefs about it. That's what they've said. I don't think even questioning the validity of Vatican II is a schismatic act, given everything we've seen. 
you, the main problem you may run into at an SSPX chapel is the people there often get very insular because the of people like we've seen sometimes in this chat here saying that they're not even in the church, right? So you see that stuff. And so you get this sort of you, this mentality that comes into practice where outsiders aren't necessarily trusted all the time until you show that you are just another Catholic looking for valid sacraments. But yes, you can go to you can go to the SSPX just fine. Old Roman TV says he went to Rome in November. St. Peter's felt like a mausoleum. I've heard that many times. And of course, I also reported on the strange change of color of the dome. Some say maybe it just needs to be cleaned. Others, like myself, think that that's it's not a it's not a it's not a coincidence that the visual representation now of the temple is looking soiled basically all right the ssp lynn please or erlin a please stop uh please stop spreading misinformation in my chat last warning only warning they say francis's name in the mass when they offer mass that is the sign of unity with rome when you acknowledge the validity of the papacy uh, and of the of the reigning man who is accepted by the world as pope they are in communion with Rome. They have never said they're not in communion with Rome. So last warning. <sighs> Past present tense says, if you read Archbishop Lefebvre's writings and books, you'd never think the SSPX are in schism. This is absolutely true. It's why I present his writings every few months on my channel. Anna Roo says, I've been told I'm in schism because the Pope cannot err. That's called hyper-papalism. The Pope cannot formally promulgate teaching that is in error. And that has largely been widely been accepted to mean that the, the a valid pope cannot actually try to de fide declare something that is against the faith. All right. Has anybody read up on Carl Jung and his theory on archetypes and how many beings depicted in the Bible's way from the spiritual side of life as well as fascinating? I have not. They never ask your, because they're very busy, Erlene. They don't have time to answer every email. I have 880 emails in my inbox right now. People fill my inbox with all sorts of nonsense all the time. And I don't have time to answer every email. I just don't. They don't have time to answer every single email. But they but they say the name of Francis in when, in, when offering the Mass. At that part of the consecration where the name of the Pope is invoked, they say his name there. That's a sign of unity. They just take the position that you don't listen to spiritual leaders who have uh, imbibed deeply of modernism and who are leading people astray. That's been their position for 60 years because it is demonstrable that the church for the last several decades has changed what certain its relationship to the world and what the exercise of that means. You see that in the advocacy for religious freedom and a few other things. That's why they take the position they do. And they will continue to take the position they do until we get an unequivocally holy pope. So a lot of people have a lot of questions about the canonization of all the post-conciliar popes, since it's you, you canonize one or two of them, maybe. But when you get when they're all but Benedict have been canonized, basically there's a problem. They just don't have time to answer every single email. In fact, this is why also the SSPX don't have a parish in every place that people want one. There's apparently something like a a 60 community waiting list or something for them to open a parish, something like that. It's some ridiculous thing because they don't have the priests, the manpower and the resources to open a parish everywhere they're written, they've been asked for. 
if you go to apparently in Ireland, for example, they have four priests for the whole country. Four priests travel all of Ireland to offer ma the mass to people. Why don't they have their position? They don't need to. They don't need to. The, S the FSSP and the, I the Institute of Christ the King made their brand absolute loyalty to everything that comes out of the Roman pontiff's mouth, where the SSPX were resisting the errors coming out of Rome. That's why you see that stuff on their web on the FSSP website. But you don't need to see it from there because they make their position clear. Don't take the people who are like the the anti-traditional people in the in the broader recognizing something's wrong with Rome place who say that the SSPX are evil because those, there are people who absolutely desperately want you to to invoke their own personal magisterium to declare them to be out of touch with the church when the Vatican has never declared that. And yes, I'm convinced that one day Archbishop Lefebvre's excommunication, which was invalid, will be completely lifted formally, and then the canonization process will commence. You know why I think that? There are documented miracles involving Archbishop Lefebvre. Kennedy Hall can tell you more about that because he has spent a lot of time defending the SSPX over on his channel. What is my take on the SSPV? I'm not a set of a contest. Um, I'm not. Uh, they're, they have one set of a contest priest there who is the most charitable to non-set of a contest, and he teaches the faith, and I don't have a problem with him personally, but I, I'm not a set of a contest. And I know the SSPV aren't officially set of a contest, but I would caution people because they're set of a con because they are set of a contest friendly. That make sure you know what you're getting yourself involved in before you go there. All right. St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary in St. Mary's, Kansas. Kansas has quite a lot of new seminarians. There'll be some more ordinations this year. Absolutely, there will be. And there's also some rumor on there's some uh, rumors about more interesting activity coming from the SSPX in 2024. We shall see. Watch the summer. The summer is usually when you get a lot of that stuff happening. Um, has Francis so stacked the College of Cardinals that's now highly unlikely? Um, depends who you ask. Mathematically, yes. But there are people who maintain that the current trajectory, that the um, fiducia supplicants made it so a lot of the more the bishops who might just go along with what uh, what some of the leadership say at a conclave, they might now not. So I suggest that people pay attention for when a conclave announcement is coming. And I don't mean like uh, the date of a conclave. You'll know when that's happening because we will, you know, Francis will have gone to his personal judgment at that point. But every, most popes issue a document changing the rules of a conclave. The, most of them do. Francis does that perk up. I expect that that announcement this year, that document is the one I expect more than anything else. And the, there's been long rumor that they're going to fiddle with the rules in such a way that gar that make, makes it much more likely Francis II comes out of there instead of Pius the Thirteenth. Whip tips looks like the no folks. <laughs> yeah, um, I've noticed that in my in my comments the last few days too. Um. Past Jesuit superior Hans Kolvenbach knew Francis well before he became Francis. He has nothing good to say about him. Look it up. Right, and the Kolvenbach report disappeared from the Vatican Archive, which I there's been rumor that somebody's got a private copy in private hands somewhere. But if that's the case, this would have been 20-something years ago. I would love to, if that comes forward, that's going to be a huge day because it will be his superior telling the world what he thinks of Francis, the man we call Francis now. 
Well, welcome, Paul. Glad to have you in the chat and glad to have you just be active in the community. Just uh, don't post links in my live chat or my uh, comments because they won't go through because people will use them to try to do some really nefarious things. And so I had to block those. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I generally get pretty passionate about defending traditional priests in general. And priests in general is why you don't hear me report on, um, you know, Ted McCarrick kind of priests much until it's unequivocal that it, it's been proven that they have done something. Because priests, you have no idea the, how heavy the cross is that the typical Catholic priest carries. It's unbelievable. And, but especially like traditional priests, at my traditional parish, the couple of priests there used to drive like across two states or something after the Sunday mass to offer mass in the nearby adjoining states to hear, to offer the sacraments to people. They'd be gone like Sunday until late at night and then come back the next, come back that night, sleep for a few hours and then offer the mass in the morning. They, they carry a heavy burden and it's, we should be thankful for our priests and make sure to pray for them. All right, folks. If there are any final comments or thoughts in the chat, I will take them now. This is time for uh, it's a it's Saturday. Um, I've noticed for whatever reason the Vatican sometimes likes to drop really interesting news on the church on a Saturday as well, which is unfortunate. Chris Schumacher says the SSPX is able to disobey, not rebel, because the church is in crisis. Bugnini and Baggio continued by, like, uh, Martini the mentor. Right. So, again, they recognize that they have authority. And sometimes, like, for instance, there's a couple signs of that, actually, um, in their, on their website that are not over. Yes, we are loyal to Rome. They don't ever make that kind of a statement. The, what you're looking for, one thing I would suggest looking up is the fasting rules for before Mass, the Eucharistic fast. The standard rule, if you use the 1962, uh, you attend mass with a 1962 liturgical calendar, is to observe to not eat anything three hours before mass. Okay, that's the standard rule, and they explain the rule in an article there. But they also at the end say that the that they recognize that the Vatican has uh, changed the rule to one hour. They recognize that that's valid, but they recommend the harder three-hour fast. Right? It's, it's things like that that show that they actually do recognize the authority of Rome. It's just they re they resist novelty. I have you know I spent like a year and a half on this channel going over the combinatory by Saint Vincent of Larens and one single month bites. Saint Vincent of Larens tells us to resist anybody in the church, regardless of their position, if they promote novelty. And he was writing in the fourth century, so this is it, it's it's unequivocal. All right. What do I think we should expect from the next Pope? More of the same. Probably somebody more charismatic and nicer about it, but they'll continue to push. I there's I it's either that or it occurred to me this morning, you might get a moderate who's really like who's past the age of retirement, someone there to just calm things down for five years. Sort of another John the twenty third type, someone who's a placeholder, and then you'll then after that you'll see what happens. But I think you're gonna get more of the same. But I could be wrong. I'm not a prophet. What happened? He just signed on. Um, I would go back to the beginning of this where we talk about the news. The, the chat got kind of lively today. Um, Ash Wednesday is on St. Valentine's Day this year. We're going to get another huge announcement. Possibly. Um, Valentine. It's They actually moved the Feast of St. Valentine on the Novus Ordo calendar to some other part of the year. And I don't know why they did that. <laughs> He's like one of three saints whose like, feast days the secular world loves. 
but they moved uh, that one somewhere else on the calendar. I don't know where. That's not one of the day I would expect. Well, I mean, Ash Wednesday, maybe, because it's Ash Wednesday. I don't know when the next big one is, but it's, it start looking towards the feast days, candle mass, um, maybe some pre-conciliar or even pre-1954 liturgical change uh, manual. There, there were some changes to the uh, calendar even back then. You can go look there to see some Marian feast days. They love Marian feast days. Candle mass is a Marian feast day, by the way. Fish Friday. I observe Fish Friday. I either do total fast or eat fish on Friday. I never found anybody who... I've never understood why someone, by praying an extra decade of the rosary or a second, what they call, what what we call the rosary, but what people used to call the child's rosary, because just five decades was the child's rosary. That was, uh, I never saw why anybody thought substituting that was was good penance. If you're like, so you have a major caffeine, like you've got like major amount of caffeine in your life, like I do, then maybe dialing it back to just enough so you can function but not having any more than that might be sufficient because it's going to make your day sluggish and that might be a valid substitute but i i observe fish fried and i think everybody should okay all right folks thank you for very much for tuning in i i wish i could do fish on wednesday and friday i actually my system doesn't really like fish it always makes me makes me, makes me feel ill when i eat it it just does. Um, but the only way I can consume it is, was, was like sushi. And I live in Oklahoma, far from the ocean. So it's a, that's a game I'm not willing to play anymore <laughs> since I moved here. But all right, folks, thank you very much for tuning in. And I have a news video going live for you in an hour and a half. It's um, about Benedict XVI and things that they're doing to him. So it's part one of two, it turned out, because I made that and then another thing happened. So as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.